0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A warm welcome to this Friday edition of Squawk Box. These are your headlines. Asian equity markets selling off and U.S. futures plunging as the WHO calls on an emergency meeting over a new COVID variant discovered in southern Africa and the EU renews vaccination calls. While well, crude prices also heading deep into the red on renewed demand concerns and fears of a rising surplus in the first quarter, whilst the UK puts six southern African countries back on the red list. We're going to hear from the Bundesbank's Claudia Buch, who tells us that while German households expect prices to climb, Germany's central bank sees price pressures easing, despite future uncertainty.
1: rates will decline. The question is um, to what level and, and how persistent um, will, this, will this be. And I think what monetary policy has to do is to be prepared for all future con- con- contingencies and to act accordingly.
0: Plus you've got French fishermen uh, threatening to blockade the Channel Tunnel and the Port of Calais today in protest at UK fishing licences. Right, let's get into our top story. The World Health Organization has called a special meeting today to discuss a new COVID variant found in southern Africa. The health agency says the new strain has a number of mutations and has so far only been detected in small numbers. The WHO says it is monitoring the impact it could have on vaccines and treatments. The United Kingdom has announced it will ban flights from six Uh, African countries including South Africa as a response to the new virus strain. Now the Health Secretary Sajid Javid said the precautions were brought in to prevent the new variant from hindering the recovery. The early indications we have of this variant is that it may be more transmissible than the Delta variant and uh, the vaccines uh, that we currently have may be less effective against it. Now to be clear We have not detected any of this new variant in the UK at this point in time, but we've always been clear that we will take action to protect the progress that we have made. Right, so a lot of concern, uh, obviously, about this uh, Southern African variant. Let's have a look at the Asian indices and where they are currently trading. We've seen a sell-off on some of the, uh, the major bosses. What I can show you Uh, is that the Nikkei is currently trading down 2.5%. The Shenzhen trading just around the flatline, actually, as indeed the Shanghai Composite down 0.5 to 1%. The Hang Seng down 2.2%. Let's take a look at uh, Asian travel stocks, travel-related stocks as well. Uh, Let's have a look at Cathay Pacific down 3.8%. Japan Airlines taking a really Big decline, down 6.5%. Singapore Airlines uh, currently trading down 2.7%. So clearly the airline sector uh, taking this one on the chin as well. We'll move on to U.S. futures, uh, which, as I mentioned in the headlines, are currently trading significantly lower. So we've got the Dow losing 431 points. We've got the Nasdaq down 65 uh, live prices. there Again, it's a very illiquid. You've got to remember, at the best of times, this early on, there will not be a huge liquidity in the U.S. futures market, and especially coming off a bank holiday as well, the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, and not a lot of traders were due to be at their desk today, whether they come into their desk uh, because of of uh, concerns about the volatility created by this southern African variant of uh, coronavirus remains to be seen. But it's a half session for equity trading in the United States, and even that is normally very, very limited in its trading volumes as well. But whether this will augur uh, more activity from traders remains to be seen. The opening calls for the European indices... Well, we are called 125 points lower on the FTSE 100. The CAC 40 is called by by a similar margin. Uh, The Zetra Dax futures, 269 points. And the FTSE Mib uh, losing solidly around about... 2% on the opening calls. We've been debating about this uh, oil move all week, haven't we? Uh, And funnily enough, the the Deputy Head of News and I were just having a big debate about whether this was a big move, given uh, what we've seen. And and I'll go with her on this one, because we've got a 3% decline, look at this, on WTI. Although, I will hasten to add that the moves this week, which is kind of about there, really... um, the moves this week are, are, are in a range because we had um, the sell-off originally when people talked about this big SPR, or OECD release of volumes, then when it actually came about and people dug into the weeds on it, the market rallied quite aggressively with Brent back over $82 a barrel. Now we're back down to $80, bucks, so we are solidly within range of the last seven days. So when I talk to you about these big moves to the downside, and they are big moves, there's no doubt about it, a 3% move is a big move. The fact of the matter is they are within the range that we've seen as of late. So we're not just making new ground uh, on, a, on a, a couple of week basis. All right, It's important you know that as well. Let's have a look at what the dollar is doing as well. Now we've seen the dollar in its ascendancy um, over the last few days, um, trading pretty much where it was actually. We've still got the euro dollar, Knocking on the door of 112 to the downside, cable is 133, dollar yen 114, and dollar yuan 6.4. I will say, though, what I have noticed, and we haven't got it in the wall here, is that the treasury price, as well, we were up to what after that really great uh, weekly jobless claims data, we were up to about 164 on the yield on the 10 year 1.64. We're back down below 160 now, as well. People, as you would expect, going into safe havens and treasuries fits the bill on that occasion. Right, France is tightening its COVID restrictions, making masks compulsory. It's toughening health pass screenings uh, and offering booster shots to all residents over 18 as it, like all nations, combat a potential fifth wave of the pandemic. Now, despite sharply rising infections, officials say a nationwide lockdown is not on the cards. So, Charlotte joins us now. Charlotte, very nice to see you this morning. Where does France sit compared to other nations? We saw um, some quite startling footage of empty streets in Bratislava yesterday. Uh, Austria, we know, has gone into a strenuous lockdown. Why does France, why does the president, why does the prime minister feel in France at the moment we're not going to re-enter a lockdown?
2: That was the, message, the initial message from Olivier Véran, the health minister, who held that conference uh, yesterday, saying, he, look, trying to reassure straight away the population that was awaiting this press conference. Like they ha- he hadn't held a press conference for a long time. And he said, look, I'm not here to announce you any closures, any curfews or any limit to travel. So they're trying to be reassuring on that side. And like what we've seen in other European countries, they say at the moment, we have a weapon, we have, the, we have the vaccine, and they're really trying to roll out this booster campaign. And they're accelerating it very fast for the moment up until yesterday today, it was only the over 65 that, we, that were offered a booster jab. We had some recommendations from health authorities say that the over 40 should get it and then the government understood that it's actually everybody over 18 year old that will be eligible for a booster five months after the second injection. So that will start from Saturday, from uh, today they can book already online for uh, their appointment to get that vaccine uh, so from December 15th the over 65 will need to have their booster jab to keep the health pass, remember that in front to have the health pass that shows your vaccination status or a recent negative test and if they don't have the third jab by December 15 they will lose that for the over 65 for everybody else it will be the 15th of January or seven months after the second jab they will need to have the third uh, injection or they will lose the health pass again as you said they're bringing back masks indoors that will be mandatory in all those areas of the health pass was in place uh, you could take off your mask for example in theatres now it's a con- cancel again for you from today you will have have to wear your mask everywhere indoors. In some outdoor spaces as well, it will be possible, depending on the local authorities that decide it. But the, the minister yesterday said, that in uh, Christmas markets, for example, where they expect a lot of people gathering in, uh, in, in a space, even if it's outdoor space, uh, the mask will be mandatory as well. Finally, in a final push to get people that still not vaccinated uh, in front, you have to pay for the lateral flow test. Again, in your health pass, you can show a recent negative test. People have to pay for it, 25 uh, euros per lateral flow test up until now it was every 72 hours you had to do a pass and that will be every 24 hours you will have to have a negative test so it'll be 25 euros per day essentially for the ones that don't have full vaccination status so again final push from the government to get all those final people not vaccinated to get those vaccines in place so again uh, the final thing that we heard yesterday from the health minister that there will be some increased border controls it didn't give some details just yet it will be uh, the details will be given in the next 24 to 48 hours. That was before we had the news from that new variant of concern that has emerged later uh, yesterday evening. So we don't have any details on that front yet from the French government on whether they will put some limits on the specific travels from South Africa. But they will say that they will put some uh, more restrictions and more controls at the borders in any case in the next couple of days. Steve
0: very much indeed for that. Um, we will move on from France to the broader EU as well because the European Medicines Agency has cleared the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, coronavirus vaccine for use in children aged 5 to 11 years old. The jabs could be administered to millions of school children as infections continue to spike across the continent. The rollout is expected to begin in January. The EU is considering setting a nine-month expiration date on its COVID-19 certificates. A number of European countries are reimposing, as we've just heard, restrictions as they face an uptick in cases, putting a further strain on travel inside the bloc. Well, Sylvia joins us with more on this. Sylvia, nice to see you this morning.
3: Good morning, Steve. So, indeed, on Thursday, the European Commission announced that, indeed, the digital certificate that people have been using in the EU to travel will have a nine-month expiration date from the first set of vaccines so if you're in european union and you would like to travel to another member state starting next month starting in january i should say you will have to check whether your digital certificate is still valid to travel across the block Now it's important to bear in mind that the proposal that the commission presented on thursday does not include booster shots so in essence the commission is still expected in the coming weeks to say a validation and expiration date for booster shots but that didn't come with this proposal another measure that the commission announced on thursday is that children below the age of six should be free from any travel restrictions it's important to bear in mind that we're talking about the proposal at this stage so the member states will still have to discuss it and then decide how they will be implementing it Um, but that is the opinion from the european commission at this point And of course, there's a a big focus in this proposal on the vaccinated, but of course, for many European countries, the problem is the unvaccinated, is the rate of the population that uh, has simply not got a first shot of COVID-19 vaccines yet. And in this regard, the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, she said on Thursday that people that have not received the COVID-19 vaccine yet should do so. Vaccination
1: against COVID-19 saves thousands of lives in the European Union. But a new wave is hitting us, and we need to step up vaccination further. The good news is that we have enough vaccine doses. By the end of this week, Europe will have delivered one billion doses to our member states. And another important news is that you should take your booster shot six months after the original vaccination.
3: So just to give you an idea, Steve, the uh, average of any uh, inoculation rate across the EU is at about 68% at this point. But that masks differences across the block where you see, for instance, in in Portugal, uh, the inoculation rate is uh, at uh, about 90%. But then you look at countries such as Austria, where only about 65% of the population has received the COVID-19 vaccine. So let's see how this will unfold.
0: Yeah, that is startling, isn't it, the difference in the two? Thank you very much indeed for that report. I'll see you a little bit later on, of course, Silvia. Thank you very much. Coming up on the show, the Bundesbank's Claudia Buch weighs in on Germany's new government. In waiting, as well as climate and the inflation debate, we will bring you Karen's interview with the German central bank vice president. Coming up next. All right, let's take a look at these Asian equity markets and where they are currently trading as well. So the Nikkei, as you can see, uh, taking it on the chin there, down, 750 points. That's 2.5%, as you can see. The broader topics is down a couple of percent. The Chinese mainland markets actually performing much better, although coming off a little bit more than they were down earlier on. Shanghai Compete down five-tenths of 1%. The Hang Seng down uh, over 2% as well. I can tell you one or two others as well. Down in Jakarta, they're down 1.4%. The Kospi out of Seoul down 1.45%. The Taiex down by a similar Margin. We'll keep an eye on these. We'll keep an eye on those U.S. futures and, of course, uh, the update to the European markets as we build up to that. Right. Germany's Bundesbank says lenders should prepare to boost their capital buffers once again, given the return to economic growth following the onset of the pandemic. The buffer, which is currently at zero percent, could be lifted to its above pre-pandemic point, given the high credit Levels. Now, the Bundesbank also warned lenders could be exposed to an overheating property market. Well, isn't that fascinating? You've got the Bundesbank talking about an overheating property market, and yet you've got the Riksbank telling us yesterday, do you remember what I said with Karen yesterday? 0.0% right to the end of 2023, and yet the Swedish property market, for instance, it's only up 20% so far this year. Oh, to be a central banker. Right, well, uh, Karen caught up actually with the vice president of the Bundesbank, that's Claudia Buch, and asked where she stood on the pressures facing central banks to hike rates and whether she thought such a move would be helpful in easing risks posed by excess liquidity.
1: Pretty clear that um, the, the more gradual an increase in, in interest rates is the, the, the easier it is for the financial sector to deal with it. So any abrupt change in interest rates um, would expose vulnerabilities in the banks, in the insurance sector, and also in the, in the fund sector. But let me emphasize that an abrupt increase in interest rates is not um, purely—we're not looking here at, at, a, at a monetary policy shock, but it can come from the from the markets. Um, uh, so in, in that sense, we're looking generally at what. How exposed is the financial sector to interest rate risks? And we're seeing that abrupt changes in interest rates do have an impact on the financial system. This is what I mentioned earlier, why we need sufficient buffers in the system across all the institutions to to deal with it. Um, But this is not a statement about specific monetary policy actions being taken.
4: What about small tweaks, though, to monetary policy? Because also on the radar is whether the ECB has to move up quicker than what was anticipated, maybe with a small tweak to monetary policy later on next year in about 12 months' time. Doesn't that address some of the concerns that you have about financial stability when you're talking about capital buffers? Surely the blunt instrument of a move on the deposit rate would do the trick for you.
1: Yeah, so I mean, again, this is a decision that the ECB and the governing council has to take. I think what's our role here is that we make sure that um, the financial sector is sufficiently robust um, to, um, to to deal with, with any future shock that may may happen and uh, um, to also all financial institutions to make sure that um, they take pre- pre- precautionary measures to deal with future interest rate risk, macro risks. And uh, um, that is, I mean, the, the financial stability implications of any measures are obviously also taken into consideration by, by, by Central Bank when they take their, de- their decisions. But here our role is to, to really make sure that we have a stable and resilient financial system that can deal with these future contingencies.
4: Claudia, as we talk about a stable central bank as well, Jens Weidmann vacates the top job at the Bundesbank later this year. Your name has been touted as a potential replacement. Are you still in the running?
1: Well, you would certainly understand that I can't uh, comment on that. I think it's in the very good hands of
4: of our government. We were witnessing at this point predictions by Weidmann that you will see inflation Peak above six percent, then barely fall to three percent by the end of next year. Are you concerned about this elevated position for pricing pressures in Germany? Yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, first of all,
1: what one has to say is that um, with, with with all the different. Um, um, op- opinions and statements about inflation. So there's there's one common denominator of all our forecasts uh, that the increase in inflation that we're currently seeing is going to be temporary. So this is what all the forecasts are saying. I think the differences are in, in terms of interpretation and also policy needs, um, the differences are with regard to, to the elevated upside risks that, are, that I see um, and that we see for, for in inflation going forward. So inflation rates will decline. The question is um, to what level and and how persistent um, will, this, will this be? And I think what monetary policy has to do is to be prepared for all future con- con- contingencies and to act accordingly. Um, and again, what we can do to support monetary policy when it comes to these decisions is to make sure that also there's, um, the financial s- um, system is, is able to, to deal with, um, uh, with, uh, with uh, policy changes.
0: Oh, there's some really really interesting stuff so i'm grateful to karen for that as well let's get to Anetta. she is with us it says on my prompt uh well okay so Anetta, isabel schnabel joachim nagel marcus brunemeyer Jakob von weisecker your cookies the list is long uh, claudia buch on there as well somewhere what's the short list look like good morning to you
5: good morning to you as well i think the short lo- list looks like isabel schnabel and joachim nagel that's at least what i've been hearing from my sources, your um, cookies is said to uh, be the next economic advisor to the chancellor, so you m- might move into um, the chancellery. And the others, well, it could be, but the most likely, because you have to look at the party books they are having so Joachim Nagel is an SPD man, so that probably gives him a higher likelihood to enter the Bundesbank at the top. Uh, Isabel Schnabel, of course, is a woman and uh, she would also be uh, a preferred candidate. It, in a way, it depends on. Also, the, the the kind of ideology you want to have in the Bundesbank, Isabel Schnabel would probably be great to explain Germans why the ECB is doing what they do um, and not opposing it too much in what they are doing. Joachim Nagel has a long tradition um, inside the Bundesbank, currently at the Bank of International Settlement, but he is also said to be... A bit more pro ecb than um or pro modern uh, monetary policy setting than um others like for example Volker Wieland. so the race is wide open i think berlin is first preoccupied with their ministerial posts with the greens um also having problems um to fill the ministers um and there's a growing risk inside the party so i think it will still take a bit of time until we know who's the next Spider-Man
1: at the top of the Bundesbank. There's a very interesting part in the report um, which looks into the effect of climate policies on the financial system. And what we're um, doing is basically an exercise, a scenario exercise, asking well, what happens if um, CO2 prices increase um, in line with the with Paris agreement? What would be the valuation changes for the financial system? And uh, one of the good news that we have is that, of course, we would see valuation changes, so um, assets would lose in, in value, but it's a relatively small um, change, so it's less in the, in, in the single digit uh, for the banks, for the insurers, and also for the for the investment fund sector. Um, so what that is basically saying that if we have good climate policies, There's also good for financial stability, and if we take the right actions now, that also mitigates uh, future risks. So again, prevention is a very important uh, buzzword here.
5: So Claudia Buch, which we have been just seeing, is set to leave, at least what I'm hearing, because she, was at the, or she is at the Bundesbank, backed by the CDU, and of course the CDU is no longer part of the uh, next government. So you see, there's a lot of moving parts in the equation, but I guess the Bundesbank itself will not change tremendously. When it comes to their policy approach even though we have a more uh yeah, modern and perhaps the ecb embracing a bundesbank president as the next one
0: thank you for listening to squawk box europe express for more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com
4: or join us again on this show with jeff cutmore steve sedgwick and karen show weekdays on cnbc